Thank you for listening to Sermon Audio from Hill City Church in Springfield, Missouri. We are a community of believers who exist to glorify God by making disciples who bring gospel restoration to our city and world. For more information about Hill City or to support our ministry, you can find us online at hillcitysgf.org. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. And this you rejoice. Though now, for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. And that's the word of God. Happy Christmas season, Hill City Church. Now, here's the deal. I love Christmas, okay? Like, I don't think you understand how much I love Christmas. I love this time of year. I love Christmas movies. I love Christmas music. I watched Christmas Vacation and It's a Wonderful Life last night, okay? And I well up, and maybe I cry, maybe I don't, but I certainly well up every time George Bailey walks into his house and his wife is clearing the table for all of his friends to come in. Like, it gets me. And I've seen this movie 100 times. I could quote the movie. And I love it. And I'm into extreme sports. I don't know if you guys know this. I'm into extreme sports. Let me give you the most extreme sport I'm into. It's Thanksgiving eating. And then, now that's not the extreme part. So I fill my gut. And then I play. Um, Oh, Holy Night by Mariah Carey. Some of you know this already, right? And then I hit that high note on a full stomach after Thanksgiving. That's the extreme sports that I'm into because I love Christmas. We have been cranking in sync Christmas, okay? Now listen to me. I know you expect more from your pastor. I know that. And that's why Daniel and Michael are here. But I rock in sync Christmas, and I do it, I'm unashamed, okay? I love Christmas. I want you to know today, like, I, I hope today that you leave here and go, you know what, it was an encouraging day. That, that's really what I want to do. I want to point you to Jesus. I want you to walk out of here encouraged. We're entering this Advent season, right? And there are so many sort of traditional Advent passages, many uh, uh, places we could go with this. Give you some examples. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, we read, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. We just sing the song, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Then Isaiah 9, chapter 6, For to us a child is born. To us a son is given, the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. It's another sort of Christmas passage we could hit. John 1, chapter 14, New Testament. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's sort of the Advent launching passage, right? And we have seen his glory, glory 
as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And then, of course, we have Luke chapter 2, right? I told you I love Christmas and Christmas movies. I'm not going to read the passage out of Luke chapter 2, verse 1 through 10, but I'll just point you to the greatest Hollywood scene ever made, which is the reading of Luke chapter 2 by Linus in Charlie Brown Christmas. Amen? Right? That's the greatest scene that's ever come out of Hollywood. We could go a lot of different places, right? And, and this week it's hope, right? And then we're going to go to peace and we're going to go to joy and we're going to go to love. That is how it works for Advent. What is Advent? Let's start with that. And obviously the literal meaning is like the arrival of something. And you have to understand before Jesus came, before Jesus arrived, before Luke chapter 2, there was a whole lot of silence. Specifically, 400 years of silence. Now, we can't really fathom 400 years. But God had been silent for 400 years. Now, just let me get practical with you just for a moment. You could be in this season of life right now where you think or it seems as if God is silent in your life. And I just want you to know this morning he is there. He is alive. And we do know the truth this morning. We have his word. We can go to his word for hope. That is going to be our word of the day, hope. As we enter this Christmas season, let's just, let's just touch on some of the possible realities in the room. It could be that your reality is that 2019 was kind of unfulfilled expectations. It could be that your reality is that as we go into this season, or even as we started last week with Thanksgiving, we enter in this season of the holidays, that it's a tough time for many of you. Maybe this is like the first year for some of you without someone. For many of you, you come into this holiday season and year after year, you hope for the same thing. Maybe it's that you hope that things could be like they used to be. Maybe you come into the holiday season hoping that things actually will, for the first time, finally be different. And maybe the reality is that each of these seasons of holidays come and they go and hope has kind of been deferred. And maybe that's your story this morning. Maybe you have lost hope. Maybe you feel like there is no hope. I pray this morning that's not the case for you. See, hope is essential. It's actually, dare I say, hope is necessary for survival. So I've started this thing where I've actually been meeting each week with uh, Scott and Royce. That's two of your elders. You know Scott, he, he leads music every week, every week. You've probably seen Royce. Royce baptized his daughter last week. But they're, they're two of our elders. And I've been able to meet with them and kind of go over sermon stuff. And they talk through and they look at it and they just, they do their best to try to keep me from saying stupid things. Okay, it's a tough job for them. But they do awesome. And I love them. And as we were talking about this week, they, they both were, uh, they both mentioned the same thing. And they were just talking about hope. And they brought up some stuff that they had been reading on, uh, like German, uh, in Germany, the concentration camps. All right, and there's, there's a book in particular called A Man's Search for Meeting, Victor uh, Frankel, Frankel, however you want to pronounce that. I think it's Frankel if you're educated, Frankel if you're from Bonterre. 
doesn't matter. So he describes his years spent uh, in a concentration camp in Nazi Germany, and, and he, he talks about cigarettes, right? And, and in this camp, there were, the, 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 the prisoners had cigarettes, but that was their form of currency, and they would trade and exchange cigarettes for like extra bowls of soup or, or just, just favors or things that would, that would help them, okay? That actually things that were the difference between life and death. So cigarettes were very valuable. And then it, it goes on to read this, as, as Scott and Royce pointed out. It says, after so much time under so much strain with so little hope, some men gave up. And Victor says that once they lost their meaning, their reason to live, they would smoke their own cigarettes. And instead of using them to buy food, they just sat and they smoked. And when Victor and his friends saw a man smoking his own cigarettes, they knew he was going to die very soon. He had lost all hope. And he goes on to say, without meaning, man just turns to immediate pleasure. In this case, it was cigarettes. I think we could even say without hope that man turns to immediate pleasure. You show me a person that's just living for the immediate pleasure every day of his life, I'll show you a man who actually is hopeless. So the question this morning, what are you hoping for? And what are you placing your hope? Is it a new job? Is it a new relationship? Maybe it's a restoration of an old relationship, and we could just make a list of things that we hope for. Now, in the scriptures, this word hope is used a lot, like over 200 times. And I just want to kind of summarize it. Hope means a confident expectation in the future. It means a contagious enthusiasm for what will come. The idea of hope is that you're looking forward to the future with enthusiasm, with confidence, with expectation that there is a blessing on the other end of this. Hill City Church, hope is a good, good thing. It's a must. It's necessary. And our God is a God of hope. Make no mistake about it. God is the source of hope. He's the supplier of hope. He's the author of hope. Paul gives us this huge letter, right, that he writes to the Romans and just right at the ending of it, the second to last chapter, he says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in good. And I want you to know this morning there is hope even when things seem to be hopeless, which takes us to our passage in First Peter. And in that verse 3 where we started, blessed be God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, here's what it says, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, if we take our demographic, and I by our, I mean Hill City Church demographic, I think I can describe us. Educated, successful, comfortable. Now, if I took every one of you and pulled you out, you would likely, at bare minimum, hit two out of three of those. So if that's us, and that's kind of our 
identity, I'm not talking about our identity in Christ, I'm saying if that describes us, which it does, then the question could be, okay, if that's us, then why would we need this new birth that we read about in 1 Peter, this being born again to a living hope when we kind of are all these things? Why do we even need a new birth? In other words, our hope could be placed in that we are educated or that we are successful or that we are pretty comfortable. Now, these are good things. I'm not saying they're bad things. I'm not saying education is a bad thing, okay? I'm not saying being successful is bad. I I, I hope you guys are, okay? But everything I mentioned, right, education, success, comfort, they, they are all perishing things. They will all go away if you live long enough. And, and listen, we are born, we need not just hope, we need a living hope. Okay, now, I don't, I've been on social media, okay? I know some of you have done this. I not, probably most of you aren't going to be just be like, yeah, I've done that. But I've, I, I see your social media, okay? There's this thing going on. Maybe I'm late to the game. It seems relatively new where you're doing this 10-year picture. Here I am 10 years ago. Here I am 10 years today, okay? I think it just started a couple weeks ago. I'm probably late to the game. It probably happened last year. I just started seeing it, okay? Anybody brave enough to be like, yeah, I did that? No? Zero hands. Okay, we'll have 30 next hour. <laughs> hey, it's there, There's this 10-year pick thing, right, that's going on on social media. And here's my conclusion after looking at that. We're all dying. It's true. Okay? And I'm not saying some of you just look bad. I'm just telling you the truth. You posted it. Here's the reality. If you live long enough. And I hope you do. But if you live long enough, everything that you could possibly place your hope in that isn't Jesus will go away. If you live long enough, it'll go away. See, Jesus Christ is our only hope. He is what sustains us. Right? And it's through Jesus like that we can go to that, this next, next verse, verse 4. Right? He just tells us in verse 3, causes us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And he says, now look, here's what happens. This is what a living hope looks like. Ready? Verse 4, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed And the last time, I love those words, imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept, guarded by the power of God. It reminds me of Jude chapter 1. If you guys read just the first verse of Jude, it's just one chapter, and it tells us who we are in our identity. You are loved by God. You are called by God. You are kept by God. For those of us who are born again into this living hope, here's the reality, guys. Life should look differently. It should. See, for the average person, specifically for the one who is not born again into this living hope, hope is only a circumstance. So like your circumstances are your hopes. Let me say it like this. Your health are your hopes. Your job are your hope. 
Your, your social status is your hope. But here's what a new birth does. Right? Because for, for us who are born again to a living hope, our circumstances are not what we put our hope in. And more specifically, think of it like this, okay? Apart from this living hope, this idea that we have this life that is joyful and that we have this life that is also sorrowful, amen, okay? The idea that that's true, without a living hope, what happens is joy and sorrow eat each other What do I mean by that? Here's what I mean. When things are terrible, and you are born again into a living hope, when, when things are sorrowful, they actually drive you to joy. When you're not born again into a living hope, when things are sorrowful, they eat up all your joy. You cannot find any. When you are born again to a living hope and you are joyful, that then enables you to experience sorrow properly. It doesn't cause you, but when you're not, see, when you're not born again to a living hope, you avoid all things sorrowful. And seeking comfort becomes the drive of your life. But when you're born again to a living hope, Your joy enables you to properly experience sorrow. Then we get to verse 6. It says, in this you rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Don't raise your hand. Anybody have various trials in your life? Some of you are like... Plural. See, when you're born again to a living hope, it's actually possible to rejoice in those trials. I want to bring somebody out for an interview right now. We're going to do an interview each week as part of our sermon series. But when we see this passage where it says, grieved by various trials, uh, we're going to have somebody share one of those trials with you this morning. I'm excited uh, for this interview. So here's what a living hope results in. Let's, let's finish up, right? So we just, finished, we just read verse 6, and, and Chris sort of gave us a peek in on what a various trial would look like. It's like a trial most of us maybe even couldn't imagine. Some of you, maybe you could. But you're going to be grieved by various trials. But look at verse 7. It says, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, that's what Chris questioned, he questioned the genuineness, right? And then when it was held to the fire, he said, no, no, this is not even an option. Here's what it says about your faith. It's more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire. And that faith, that genuineness of your faith may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of of Jesus Christ. See, the gospel is in this passage, and I don't want you to miss it. 
says, it says this, the tested genuineness of your faith, and it says the result is praise, glory, and honor. Now, whose praise, whose glory, and whose honor is it talking about? Because if you just read over that quickly, you think, oh, yeah, man, my faith is going to be tested. It's going to be found to be true. And at the end, I'm going to go praise Jesus and give him the glory and honor him. And while that's going to happen, that's not exactly what this passage is saying. You know whose praise and whose glory and whose honor it's talking about in this passage? You who have been born again into a living hope. That's the gospel, you see? Because here's what happened. On the cross, Jesus, our living hope, Jesus became everything that I was. Sin, shame, despised, insecure, I can keep going. See, Jesus became all of that so that I could become everything that he was. See, on the cross, he became unrighteous and everything that comes with unrighteousness so that I could become righteous. And you know what? Everything that comes with righteousness, you know what that is? Praise and glory and honor. That's the gospel. And here is what's incredible. This living hope that Jesus tells us about, it says that it is being guarded by the power of God. Now listen, I'm no genius, but if something is being guarded by the power of God, ain't nobody touching it. That's our living hope. So your issue, whatever it is, right, and this room is full of issues. So whether it's OCD, whether it's cancer, whether it's divorce, I don't know what it is, whether it's depression, whether it's anxiety, whether it's a teenager that, that, that is just defiant and won't listen to you, I don't know what it is, but that issue does not have the last word. That issue will perish. But we are born again to a living hope. But let's go back to the words of Jesus. Because I don't want to give you a false hope. Hear me. Jesus told Nicodemus this. Truly, truly, I say to you, John 3, 3. Unless one is born again. And how does Peter word that? born again unto a living hope. Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. The only way that your issue doesn't have the last word is if there is a new birth. Unto a living hope. That's good news. That's, that's the gospel. Look how, look how it concludes with verse 8, how we conclude here. So based off of this good news, check out number, verse 8. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Verse 9, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Hill City Church. 
because of this living hope, because of this new birth. It actually, and don't, don't miss too, that it says he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. It's God's work, not your work. That's, that's good news. He has caused us, and for that reason, we love him. We love him because he first loved us. We love him because it is Christ and Christ alone who gives us what our hearts truly long for. Unconditional love, unconditional acceptance, despite our issues. So think about that the next time you sing these words. Oh, come, let us adore him. Christ the Lord. Because this living joy will cause us to rejoice. And this joy that we're going to talk about in a couple weeks, you can't even explain it. It says it's joy inexpressible and filled with glory. So here's what I'm going to do. For those of you who have been born again into this living hope, I'm going to invite you to the table. And I want you to come to the table with joy that's inexpressible. And it's full of glory. Let's pray. God, that, that it's you who has caused us to be born again into a living hope. That, it, that it's you who does it blows my mind. God, I'm so grateful. God, thank you for Jesus who endured the cross, became our living hope, and he did it for the joy that was set before him. And he did it for, for us.